This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. And as I do from time to time, I'm going to read off some news articles, some headlines, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on what happened, but these are all within the last week that have come out. And first one, Fairfax Daily Voice in Virginia. A former youth pastor in Virginia pled guilty distributing child pornography while he was on probation for a different sex offense, officials reported. The next one, Virginia pastor accused of sexually abusing a girl during a church sleepover. The pastor of a Baptist church in Virginia is in jail on child sex abuse-related charges. The Washington County, Virginia Sheriff's Office has announced. The next one is from Texas. A pastor has raped a special needs woman in the Laredo Morning Times. And then another one, a local pastor has been arrested for raping a special needs woman, according to the Webb County Sheriff's Office. Actually, that's the same one. And then the last headline, ex-San Diego preschool teacher sentenced to seven years for child porn distribution. The man worked at Concordia Church and School on Discovery Falls Drive in Chula Vista, Seroptimus International of the Americas in Tijuana. So why do I read these off? This is just from one week. Every single day, somebody in a church in America is either arrested or exposed for some kind of sexual sin, whether it's child porn or an adultery or getting exposed to the church. And then, and it's, and it's ripping through the church. This is not stopping. It's increasing. And outside of the church, there's another article just came out a couple days ago I saw. And this just made me want to throw up. Uh, Sugar Babies of Stanford University. And what's happening is undergraduate females at Stanford University are offering sexting, sexual voice recordings, and suggestive but clothed Snapchats to pay and make money. They stop and, and they do no nudes, no phone calls, no meetups. And this is what's just two young women who were doing this and thought at first they thought it was fun, but then people started offering them money and now it's exploded and it's happening all over campus. Parents, this is what your kids are walking into. Sexting is blown up in youth and porn is blown up in youth. It is not stopping. It is increasing in an ever-accelerating rate. We have to open these issues up. And then I'm going to quote from a book that was written by an unbeliever in 1966, a guy named Philip Reef. He wrote a book called The Triumph of the Therapeutic. 
And he analyzed what he called the deconversion of the West from Christianity. And what he said was, the sexual revolution is a leading indicator of Christianity's death as a culturally determinative force. My friends, we have to talk openly about sexual issues. A lot of people are suffering from these things. The articles I just read to you, they all represent destroyed lives. The men and the pastors, their families, their churches, those lives are destroyed. And then the people who they molested or abused, they have decades of healing in front of them. And I know because I was molested by a trusted family member. That is horrible. And, and then for my friends in Great Britain, this came out in July from The Sun, Britain's porn problem. Number of Brits addicted to porn soars with 60,000 seeking help online last year. That doubled from the previous year. And what do we see in the church? The Barna Group partnered up with Josh McDowell Ministries a while back, and they found that 68% of church-going men and almost half of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. Youth pastors, 64% confess to struggling with pornography, either currently or in the past. So this is at every level of the church, and I can tell you from our experience, we have people ages from ages 10 to 80 who come to us for help. So on the topic of pastors now, I'm blessed to have... Nathan Bentley with me here in the studio. Nathan is the senior pastor of LifePoint Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. Nathan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. So I just want to begin with having you go on and share your story. Yeah, so I've been vocal about the addiction to porn that started in my life around the age of 12, 11 years old, and uh, my deal with God that if I was going to leave the business world and go into ministry— I needed him to set me free from it. I needed him to help me overcome it and how he did that. And so my goal for the last 14 years in ministry has been to help men uh, to overcome this, to address it face on, to not be shy about it. I grew up uh, in a Baptist church culture, which didn't talk about things like this from the stage. Uh, youth groups often didn't talk about things like porn. And ultimately what follows is the addiction to masturbation and self-pleasure and um, and so it became this taboo thing where, as a kid, you, you you knew in your spirit it was wrong, but no one was really talking about it, and no one had plans to help you overcome it. So about 12 years old, I, again, growing up in that kind of a household, we uh, no, no cable TV, nothing, no access to any type of pornography or nudity. This is also in the 80s, so no internet yet. Mm. But uh, we're... we're it was introduced to me was my mom had a horse boarded on a ranch and she would go and tend to the horse and my brother and I and friends would come and play around the ranch. It was a great place as a kid to play and have adventures and it had a big open pasture where there were cows and goats and a bunch of old school buses that had uh, been broken down and been there for years, you know, trees growing up through them and crazy stuff. So great place to have a fort. Until one day, we found, shoved underneath one of the school buses, a stack of old uh, pornographic magazines. Mm. And that was that first sort of, uh, I like to say, as I've heard it said before, it leaves a rut on your brain, that first sort of introduction to what am I looking at, you know, and thus began the uh, decade-long struggle with overcoming it and um, just being bound by it. 
because growing up as a Christian man, being baptized in the church, loving the Lord, being a youth leader, I knew it was wrong. I knew it was evil. And yet, just like you'll hear anybody who struggles with alcohol or drug abuse, knowing it's wrong and actually being able to stop from doing it can often be two different things and viewing it. And so I went all through high school with that sort of just constant guilt. Every time you go to church, every time you uh, are called forward as a leader or recognized in the church, in the youth group, there's just this tremendous amount of guilt. And begging God, help me, help me. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to. By now, it's the 90s. I'm in my teens. And the internet has just come out. And that's where it really obviously took off for most of the generation that we're seeing now because I didn't ever buy magazines. I never went to any places where it, where it existed. It always just so happened to show up or a friend's house that had cable back in the day. And then the internet came and now it was in everybody's home. And, uh, and so that became the impossible task of how, how do I overcome something that now I don't have to find at a friend's house but it's right here in my home. And so, uh, let's see, right right when I was about 20, I went back east and the Lord had, had really been working on me and the Holy Spirit had been showing me so much. And uh, I said, Lord, I, I want to get rid of this. I don't want this in my life. And I read a book, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it now, Every Young Man's Battle, mm-hmm. Every Young Man's Battle. And that book was uh, life-changing for me at the time. 20 years old, single, back east. And its whole definition that the one offensive weapon we have against the devil is the sword of the spirit. It is the Bible. That's our offense. And so to speak scripture into those thoughts when they come, to speak uh, the word of God when the lies start to tell you, you you know, hey, you got to give into this. This has got to be there for you. And so that's what I did. I learned about a dozen scriptures, and over the course of my year living back east, I every time a thought, every time something would come up, I would start to speak the scriptures. And as it says in the book, keep going until it's it's gone. And I would. And by God's grace, I overcame that year. And it was incredible because the girl who I was courting, who's now my wife, uh, flew out at the end of the year to drive my car back across the country with me. And it had become such a non-issue with me that we were sitting on the couch of the home I was at before we drove back, and a commercial came on with young ladies in bikinis, and I remember I just turned my head away instinctively. And that was the first time that I had actually noticed what it, like, the change, that I wasn't sitting there ogling like I would have normally. And uh, that, was an, that was like a moment that still to this day is burned in my brain. And so we come back, and the next year I get married and new job and a whole new life now back here in the valley and uh, memorizing the verses and all of the stuff that comes with being a new young married man it sort of just went away, faded away. And then I found myself uh, a few years later in marriage falling back to that same temptation, came back into my life, came back in as something that was overtaking, but now I'm married. And so now it doesn't – it's not just affecting me, it's now affecting my wife. And so this is where I was at when the Lord said, I want you to shut business down and I want you to go into ministry. Mm. And 
I just straight up said, no, I can't. I know myself, Lord. I uh, I won't go because the, at the time the position open was to be a junior high pastor. Um, and I said, I won't go and teach kids with this issue. I, I, I won't do that. And the Lord, you know, as he does in the spirit, said, I'll, I'll remove the temptation from you if you'll be obedient and go and serve. And sure enough, from the moment I said yes, the temptation it was gone. I, I can't explain it. I've, you've heard alcoholics say they come to Jesus and ask for God to remove it, and they never have a desire for a drink again. And, uh, well, I wish I never had a desire to ever look at any nudity again. It did get rid of the hold that was on me. Mm-hmm. Whatever that was, I uh, now had the power to overcome it. And it was, I could, I could see it or see the opportunity to view it and be able to be strong enough to just walk away from it. And so with that, um, as I began to get into ministry, that's where the enemy wanted to come back at me. And so I told my wife, hey, I'm really starting to struggle with these thoughts again, and I don't know what to do. And this is about four years into ministry. And so I took some really drastic steps. We got rid of all social media in the house. We locked down computers. I got rid of my smartphone and got a flip phone. Um, and I was running a company at the time. I mean, this is with the kids at the time. And uh, I was that's how I connected with all the youth kids because now I'm a high school pastor. And so I got a smart a flip phone, and I just went into major change-everything-in-your-life mode mm. to overcome it. And it worked. It worked. It, 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 it stopped whatever that rush was. It gave me new tools. I relearned and recommitted to memory the scriptures uh, to stand against the enemy when he comes with, that, with thoughts of lust. And so since then, it was shortly after that, a year or so, that we ended up moving out to Santan Valley and uh, was installed as the head of LifePoint Church. And so uh, I've been very open to help men. One of my first series I did out there was called A Culture of Pornography. And that is our cult. That is what our men are struggling with. I've spoken at numerous men's retreats and uh, prayed over men and had men write out their sins on papers and leave them at a cross at front. And 80% of every piece of paper that's up there is pornography. I'm struggling with pornography. Mm. And so it's clearly, it is the drug of our age. It's now no longer just in your home on the PC. It's in your pocket. I mean, it's, it's right in your pocket with unfettered access to whatever you want. And so my son and daughters are not just going to grow up and I have to worry about them running into a magazine. Um, it's it's on their phones. It's on their uh, laptops that they have to have for school. And I have to make sure that those are locked down, that we've got proper things in place, uh, Covenant dies and all of these great uh, websites and software that's out there to help protect my kids because it's, it's literally sitting in their pocket, mm-hmm. which is an insane thought. It's a scary thought. But uh, whenever I counsel men now to overcome an addiction if they come to the point and say, hey, this is something I need to get rid of. I always say, are you ready to upend everything that's comfortable in your life? Because we're not going to play around. We're not going to do go memorize six verses and get an accountability partner. You're going to get rid of your smartphone. You're going to get rid of uh, your access to the internet. You're going to have to ask your wife or one of the pastors here for access to websites because your, your, your uh, computers are so locked down. Like, if you're ready to go to that level with me, 
then yeah, you can defeat this and we'll walk through this together. And that's where most guys are like, oh, well, I don't need to do all that. And I said, well, then enjoy your addiction because it it's you've got to go hardcore. You've got to go cold turkey with it and cut it off and get in the word and connect with brothers. Uh, not Here's one thing with that. Not other brothers who are struggling. When When you come with other brothers who are struggling with an addiction like pornography, it doesn't build each other up. It actually ends up becoming a place where you each confess you failed this week, and because the, each of you are falling, it just sort of feeds into it. If overcoming pornography is something that God is leading you towards, you need to have a mentor who has overcome it. It is not an issue with them, or it's it's never been a problem, and it's not something that they can fall to, that they are apt to fall to, I should say, as well. Mm. So. That's where I'm at with it, and by God's grace, he continues to uphold me in it. And uh, I now, like I said, have a teenage son and uh, daughters that are coming up to their teenage years and um, praying over them, asking for guidance, asking how do I protect them, Lord, knowing that I won't be able to protect everything that comes before their eyes. And obviously it starts with covering them in prayer, pray the scriptures over them, um, lead by example, and trust that the Lord will walk with them just as he did with me. I would assume that giving them some safe boundaries for a while, you know, you're not going to give, hopefully you're not going to give a five-year-old a smartphone with wide open internet access, which we see happening. Yep. Yep. That's happening. And honestly, uh, I heard your numbers there and we've dealt with kids uh, as young as eight, third grade, who are fully addicted to pornography. And uh, from those same studies you've read, they have shown that the younger you begin to see it, the, the deeper the ruts, the channels that are made in your brain that t- would take years for your brain to relearn new circuitry for pleasure, right? And we know it destroys marriages. It destroys sexual int- in intimacy between husband and wife. Uh, my 13-year-old just came to me and wanted it. So if they want to download any apps on their phones, they have to – it has to come to us, and we have to approve it. And so he said, all the kids, <laughs> right, you love that, all the kids at school have this new app. And it's like a Snapchat, but it's not Snapchat. And it's supposed to be safer, he promised, and all of these things. And so my wife and I go out, and we research it and what it is. And ultimately, it's no safer than anything. Anybody, you can, you, there's a feed, a general for you feed, you know, and anyone can scroll through it, and anyone can post on there. And uh, so I had to sit down with him yesterday actually and say hey but here's here's why we're saying no to this right now um once you see an image you can't unsee it by the grace of god images have been erased from my mind that i but there are so many images still and once you see an image and so we get to have a good talk about what it is to keep uh, our eyes pure and the purpose of not getting into these things right now. I said, one day you'll be a grown man and you'll be able to make your own decisions, but you have to trust us right now that uh, I'm saving you from a life of uh, horrible intimacy with your future spouse. (laughs) My kids, we had them all go to Christian school and they would come home and say, I want a smartphone. And they'd be like eight or nine. And I'd say, no, dad, all my friends got, I don't care. And Talk about how critical it is for mom and dad to say no at the appropriate age. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our kids have phones, and if you were to ask them if they have access or get to do what they want on their phones, they would probably give you a resounding no. 
They they have some of the most lockdown devices uh, that you could imagine, and they their friends will always say, "Well, why can't I text you here?" And then my texts go through to you after eight o'clock at night or whatever all this is, and uh, it's just that it's it's I'm you're not your kid's friend, you know. And I love my son, and him and I are as close as I could ever have hoped to be. We do all sorts of uh, great hobbies together and enjoy time together. But at the end of the day, I'm his father, and he's got to know that. And so while we have a friendship, there's order in the friendship. He's this child. I'm the father. And so my father established that relationship with me. And uh, because technology was just burgeoning at the time, didn't really have the talks with me I had hoped maybe to have had at that age as I was starting to stumble into it. Uh, We had the good old sex talk with dad. I had that when I was, I think, 12. But as far as the, hey, are you struggling with pornography on the internet, should I? None of those talks ever came. And so with my son, I've already at 13 began those talks and tell what to be aware of, why we aren't allowing you to have certain things. And I leave it to my wife right now to have those talks with my daughters. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> yes, yes. I like what you said about um, change everything. You yeah. know, what we see is similar that – we call them dabblers, the um, the guys who aren't really to go all out. They don't go anywhere. Yeah. And uh, Tim Peterson, who leads our men's ministry, has, has said, um, the guys who don't go out of prayer, they don't grow either. So really, this isn't just about the area of sexual sin. To me, it's about your whole perspective of how much do you really want God and what is your relationship with him really mean to you? What is your take on that? Yeah. Uh, I've heard it said from a Christian therapist, the psychology of pornography isn't one where men who don't have an active sex life or a beautiful spouse or any of this are falling to it. It's it's power, right? And, and I noticed whenever I would fall to it the most would be when stress was going on. I felt out of control at work. The kids were crazy. I couldn't control that. Wife and I were maybe at odds with one another. And pornography became the one place where you now control. You get to control what you see, how you feel, all of it. And so when that's the case, when you don't take those feelings of inadequacy, the stress being um, feeling out of control before the Lord in prayer, when you aren't submitting it there, the devil will gladly come and bring the thoughts to your mind that says, well, remember, you can always come here and have control. But when I'm in prayer, when I'm in devotions in the morning, when I'm starting my morning with the Lord, he always had so much less of a foothold to get me throughout the day than when I just started the day and woke up and got going with my day, answering emails or uh, getting to the church and doing ministry, whatever's going on. He doesn't have a foothold anymore. And so you're absolutely right to... To have a life as a Christian where you're not praying, as Ravi Zacharias said, mm. you're carrying your faith. Your faith isn't carrying you. And then tragically, we know what happened with him. I know. It hurts my heart. He was someone who I, for decades now, have looked up to. And at some point, he stopped following his own advice. And that's one last thing, right? I know to this day, even though I've experienced years of victory, and I'll tell people this, that I'm a porn addict. Mm. Because I saw what happened when I backed off and I began to enjoy, oh, yeah, it doesn't bother me anymore. I can, I can counsel this and see this movie and do whatever. It doesn't bother me. 
that's a lie. That's a lie. That, that's the foothold the devil will have, and I will trust in the Lord to uphold me in it. But as soon as you start to believe, oh, that's not something that bothers me anymore, uh, you open up the door for the devil to come in and say, oh, really? <laughs> Allow me to test that theory of yours. So, 45 seconds. Anything you want to say? And actually speak to the pastor who might be listening and is struggling right now. Yeah, that's really hard. As pastors, it's very tough to find somebody that you can trust and go to. And so my first thing is that find another pastor, find another leader, somebody who's a been a mentor to you, and you need to confess. You need to come clean. Your wife isn't the best person to be the first person to come clean to. Find another man in the ministry who you can trust and then get a game plan going with him. And ultimately, there will need to come confession to your spouse and to um, others but if this is a struggle, I'm telling you, getting clean with it now is a lot better than where it leads in the end. Boy, amen. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate it. I love it that you've, you're have you a senior pastor and willing to be open like this. Appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.